This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. How many of y'all know that the world is filled with some bad news right now? It's filled with some bad news. I mean, it, feel, it feels like if you look, turn on the TV, or you open up a magazine, you read the newspaper, it's just like we're getting overwhelmed. Let me just go through some of the things that if you're keeping up with world events that you might know about. The first one that I think is probably the, the worst news in all the world right now is ISIS is an Islamic terror network, right? very highly organized, highly developed Really, really well-funded in northern Iraq and Syria. They're going into some of the most ancient Christian communities in the world. All right? And slaughtering people simply because they believe in Jesus. All right? I mean, it it is... Obviously, we've seen the the executions on TV. That's that's a a tiny little percentage of the, the whole problem. That's bad news. If you've been watching, you know, over the last month as the, the uh, grand jury's decision was reached in Ferguson, Missouri, right? It's ignited a firestorm of racial tension throughout our country. And we see riots and, and we see things that, that have happened in the wake of that. And, and really, just looking at some of the results that have come about, bad news, Bad news. If you've been paying attention for the last year or two years, you've seen Russia, that was and has been our ally, but if you go back to the Cold War, was our historic adversary. Their, their imperialistic leader, Vladimir Putin, is uh, positioning them on a world stage to have that kind of um, very nationalistic uh, kind of agenda within the world. And if you've been paying attention, especially with the issues that deal with the Ukraine, it's bad news, right? It's bad news. If you've been watching health outbreaks throughout the world, you've seen the Ebola virus uh, break out in Liberia in West Africa. Uh, a, A significant number of people. This is not the first time that Ebola has hit the scene, but if you talk to health experts, they would just say, well, it happened in small communities and it killed off the whole community. But now it's reached large communities and it is a a worldwide health crisis having spilled over into our borders itself, all right, with cases that have come back from health workers that were on the ground working in West Africa. And I don't know if you're a sports fan, but look at this. This is bad news, too. (laughs) Panthers are bad news this year, aren't they? They won but three games. And they got a tie. Who gets a tie anymore? I mean, how do you get, I mean, that's bad news in and of itself, right? The world is filled with bad news, so I think we got to ask the question, why is the world filled with bad news when here's the truth? We don't have to look very hard to find bad news. We don't have to look. It just feels like it's everywhere. So I'm gonna get, let's go ahead and get started in your notes. Why is there so much bad news? Well, the first reason, this is the obvious one. Bad news exists because sin exists. Bad news exists because sin exists. Wars, riots, looting, murder, 
cheating. All of that, its origin is found in sin. We, We have a sin problem. That's why we have bad news, because sin entered the world. And number two, I would tell you this is in your notes, that we have the potential to create our own bad news. And we find this, and you find this, because many of you would say the worst news I've ever had and experienced in my life did not come from a newspaper. It didn't come from a a ticker that was scrolling on the TV. The worst news that I've ever had to live through was something that I did. It was something that I did that hurt someone that I love. See, we all have the potential because of sin to create our own bad news. Now, when sin entered the world, it it wrecked everything. God designed this thing to be perfect and he made it quite easy for us. He gave us one rule, don't eat from that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you remember correctly, when Eve was tempted, the temptation was, Eve, if you eat from that fruit, you will be like God. You will be like God. You will know, this is the follow-up statement, you will know the difference between right and wrong for yourself. You will be like God. You see, that original sin, that temptation to be like God, to on our own, to define the difference between right and wrong without any input from anybody else, just independently. That original sin, well, that's led to what is listed down there as number three. One of our greatest temptations is to fixate on what is bad. How many of y'all know that to be true? You know that psychologists tell us that on average, for the average person, seven positive comments carry the same weight as one negative comment. That means if your wife and in the room, that your husband, when you wake up in the morning, could go, God, you, you know, I know you haven't got your hair did yet. I know no makeup is there yet, but you look beautiful right now. Later on, when you get dressed, he come in and go, man, them jeans, man, they, they make you look good. <laughs> them jeans look nice on you. And later on, babe, your, your makeup and your hair looks so good. It looks so good. And, and it just keeps going on. And then you walk in with a shirt and you go, honey, does this shirt make me look fat? And in a kind way, he goes, well, I probably wouldn't wear that one, Right? And all you can think of from that moment on is, I'm fat. I'm fat. He thinks I'm fat. Because we have that broken tendency to decide what is right and what is wrong. And in that judgment that has originated out of original sin, that temptation to be like God, we fixate on what is wrong. We fixate on what is wrong. That's why those statements carry such weight. Because we're 
so concerned with what's wrong. You know, when God chose to send his son Jesus to be born into this world, the world was as filled with bad news as it is right now. I mean, the truth is, is that we're not living in some kind of anomaly. I mean, just 60 years before the birth of Jesus, the Roman Empire came in and overthrew the Jewish government, established Roman rule, established leadership in, in Jerusalem, it basically absorbed the government, which is a crushing blow to Jews that had this great identity of independence. And you might think, well, what kind of turmoil would they be in? There was a great Roman Empire, right? They were, it was solid. They were, they, were, they were consistent. They were probably able to help them out. Well, just 20 years before the birth of Jesus, Augustus Caesar, who became Julius Caesar, led a rebellion to overthrow the Senate and became the first emperor of Rome, seizing supreme authority in the Roman Empire. I mean, those are pretty difficult, troubling, inconsistent times to grow up in. The bad news was just as present when Jesus was born into the world. And that's where we find the birth of Jesus. See, we need to be reminded that because of sin, because of sin, the world is always going to be filled with bad news. And God chose to send his son Jesus into a world that had been shattered. Jesus was born the perfect sacrifice in an imperfect world. And after he was born, in the countryside surrounding the little village where he was given birth to, God chose to send an angel to announce the birth of Jesus. And he didn't send an angel to kings. He didn't send an angel to the Roman leadership in the area. He sent an, an angel to the average, everyday working man. In our county, this would be the equivalent of there being a lunch break at the, the plant or the factory, and there's a few guys sitting outside the factory eating lunch, and that's where God decides to share the news. Let's read it. As an angel appears to the shepherds right outside of Bethlehem in Luke 2, beginning in verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the field nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will be great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth laying in a manger. Think about that. The first announcement of the birth of Jesus is from an angel that declares this is good news and declares the good news to the average, everyday working man. 
the shepherds. And you know what they did? The good news wasn't just enough. They had to actually go find Jesus. Right? It wasn't, they, they, they were so excited about what they heard that they couldn't just sit on it. And, it. and it reminds me, that moment reminds me of something that's very important when it comes to bad news and good news. That the news that we choose to focus on will have a great impact on the kind of life that we live. And in a world with so much bad news, it's quite easy to focus on the bad news. It is. It's easy. But here's what happens. If we focus on the good news, if we'll live lives that fix their attention to the good news, we'll live in peace. But see, bad news, the presence of bad news, does something absolutely thoroughly destructive to our lives. Because when we focus on the bad news, we'll live in fear. Think about the opening statement from the angel. Do not be afraid. In the old King James, fear not. Fear not. I bring you good news. See, the first thing that I think that we need to see that the good news means for us today is that we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. And in a world that is filled with bad news, when we live lives that are fixed on that bad news, all we do is we live in fear. But if we will allow our lives to fix themselves, that our attention to be funneled to the good news, we can live in peace and joy. Look at this verse out of Joshua 1. We've looked at this verse uh, a few times, but I want to point something out to you today. Joshua 1.9 says, This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Don't be afraid, for the Lord goes with you. I think it's interesting in that verse that the Bible encourages us that we can be strong, we can be courageous. There is no near, no need to be afraid. But it doesn't say, don't be afraid because you're strong enough to make it on your own. It does not say, no need to be afraid because you're smart, you'll figure it out. It doesn't say, hey, don't be afraid because you've got enough money in the bank account. You can make it. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. For the Lord your God goes with you. And that brings me to number one in your notes. The first thing that we need to see about fear is that Jesus is always the answer to fear. Jesus is always the answer to fear. And we live in a world that wants to give you a bunch of different answers to fear. Right? Face your fears. You're stronger than your fears. Right? Jesus is the answer to fear. Because faith and fear are the opposite things. 
See, faith looks at the exact same circumstance that fear says God can't and faith says God can. Faith looks at a circumstance where Fear has said, God's abandoned us. And faith says, God hasn't abandoned us. We need to wait on the Lord. See, faith and fear, the opposite response. And they generate the opposite things inside of us. Fear generates stress and anxiety and worry. I love what Jesus said about worry. How many of you have added one more hour to your life because of worry? That's such a good rhetorical question. It's the opposite. You've killed hours of your life just by worrying. But when we focus on the good news, when we focus on the good news of a present God, Jesus, that loves us, we can live in peace. Jesus is always the answer to fear. And number two, wherever fear exists, wherever fear exists in our lives, it's identifying an area that we're not living in faith. Wherever there is fear that is raising its head, kind of, It's bubbling up in our lives. We're afraid in that particular portion of our lives. It's an identifier that I'm not living in faith. See, we need to realize... We need to realize that Jesus is the answer to fear. And that when we experience fear, it's a new invitation to trust God and put our faith in Him in an area that we quite possibly haven't done that. I'd like to spend a few minutes and show you practically how that works in our lives. I'm going to go through five fears. These are uh, classically rated as being in the top ten fears that we generally experience. I'm not talking about fear like fears of spiders, right? Or fears of laundry detergent, that kind of weird, freaky stuff that some of you have. I'm not going to talk about that, right? These are, gener- these, are, these are things that we experience in life. The first one is the fear of being alone. You know what's weird? We live in a world that has generated more ways to keep in touch with somebody. And yet, we still struggle with loneliness and the fear of being alone. I mean... If you go back 50 years, you had like three options, right? You could call someone on a telephone and you might get them. There were no answering machines. I know some of y'all don't even remember that, right? And you could write them a handwritten letter. Or you could just get your butt up and go visit them, right? That's all you had. Now you can DM me on Twitter, text me, call me on a cell phone that I pretty much have every moment of every day with me. Right? You can call my house, you can email me, you can send me a Facebook message, you can send me a photo on Instagram. I mean, think of the multitude of ways that we can connect with someone, yet still in this world, loneliness is an epidemic. I mean, we met with our, our parents of teenagers and gave them a book a few weeks ago. It's called uh, Alone Together. All right? It's a research-driven uh, 
understanding of the way that technology is affecting family lives. Because if you go in the, the average normal family room nowadays, you see four people on four different pieces of technology not talking to each other at all. All right? And even though they're in the same room, they're alone. The fear of being alone. Jesus is the answer to our fear. Right? Y'all with me on that? The fear of being alone is, is only present when we don't realize that God has chosen to be with us. That the incarnation of Jesus, God choosing to come to earth, is this great reminder that God is still with us. He has not abandoned us. He is present and he is present in everything. The good moments, the mountaintops, and he's there when we're struggling and when life is difficult. Jesus is present. Jesus is the answer to that fear. The fear of being inadequate. I really believe that Across the body of Christ, we don't have an issue of God speaking to us and asking us to do things. I think we actually have an issue of us believing that God could use us. The fear of being inadequate. Let me, let me just say this to you. If you feel like God's asked you to do something that you can't do, good. Because if you feel like God has asked you to do something that you can do without him, that wasn't the Lord. Because he's not involved. You can do it without him. God is going to set us on journeys that we're going to need to rely on him. And the truth is, is that we are inadequate. We are inadequate. But the fear of being inadequate needs to be answered with the adequacy of Jesus. Because he is more than adequate when we will shut up, get out of the way, and let him use us. The fear of failure. Fear of failure. Not even going to start the journey because out of fear, I've already written how this thing's going to end and it's not going to end well. The fear of failure. See, we have to learn to let God be who God says he wants to be. Jesus invited us to follow him. In the kingdom of God, success is following Jesus. That's what success is. Because if someone else is writing the plan, the results are left up to that person. So if God is the one that's leading this whole thing, and we're following him, the results are his results. Success is me choosing to follow Jesus. Me choosing to take the next step and the next step. Jesus becomes my success. The fear of rejection. Fear of rejection. The fear that 
the people that you love intimately, the people that you care about, that you want to experience acceptance and love from, that when they see you completely, they're going to look at you and say, you are ugly on the inside. I want nothing to do with you. And the truth is, we're all ugly on the inside. you live with anyone, I don't care how wonderful they are, over a few years, they're going to give you ample reason to walk away. But Jesus, see, Jesus looks into us and sees all the mess. And he loves you and accepts you the way you are right now. Now, he's not going to leave you where you are. He loves you too much to, to leave you in that mess, but he accepts you right where you are. And when our lives are built on the fundamental understanding that God has accepted me, Jesus has accepted me, somehow the acceptance of other people begins to get in perspective comparatively. Jesus is the answer to our fears. And probably the most pervasive common fear that we experience in our life, the fear of death. My dad used to tell me when I was little, dying's just a part of living. It's like taxes. You know, we're all going to have to deal with it somehow. It's inevitable. Outside of Jesus returning. And you know, fear that is associated with that is extremely common, but Jesus was born that little perfect baby. And as he grew and became a grown man, he lived a perfect life where he was eventually executed carrying the weight of our sin. Now the story could have ended at that sacrifice where he was buried and pushed into the tomb as the day was closing. But think about this with me. Three days, Jews would mourn the loss of somebody that they loved. Three days, they would mourn the loss. After three days, they would move on with their lives. But at the end of three days, Jesus, when his death was over and complete, walked out of a tomb. Demonstrating for us that he still can defeat anything. Jesus is stronger than death. Jesus is the answer to our fear. Jesus is the answer to our fear. And as the announcement was heralded to the shepherds, the angel opened by saying, you don't have to be afraid. I have good news. And this Christmas... I'm here to remind you that you don't have to be afraid because God sent his son Jesus to be present with us, to care for us, and to take care of us.
Let's pray. God, we just thank you that in this Christmas season we can be reminded of the good news that you are present with us, that you're here. We don't have to be afraid, God. And like the the shepherds, like many people who have come before us, God, our lives can easily fix on the bad news that is filling this world. But Lord, let us fix our eyes on the news that was shared with that angel. God, the the news of your son Jesus who is present in this world here in our lives, God. For some of us in the room today, God, we've we've struggled. Fear has robbed us of the quality of life that you want to give us. God, we have lived our lives fixated on the bad news. And because of that, we've lived lives that have been inundated with anxiety and worry and fear. And that's not how you want us to live. So God, we want to fix our eyes on the good news. The good news of Jesus. and Rest in your presence in our lives, God. And live in faith and peace and joy. With nobody looking around, today I want to ask you what you have been looking at in your life. Has your life been fixated on the bad news? Have you looked at the world and said, this world is broken. It cannot be a world where God is in control. Or have you looked in this world and seen all the problems but still choose to trust Jesus? Because the good news is that right now you can live free from fear. You can live a life that is filled with faith and peace, trusting Him because He refuses to let go of you. Maybe today that decision needs to be made for you. If you're here today and you say, I'm tired of running from God. I'm tired of keeping my heart from Him. I want to give all of my life to Him. I want to give everything I've got. Would you raise your hand right now? If that's you here. See those hands. Anybody else? Maybe you're here today and you say, my life has been so fixed on the bad news that it's robbed me of the joy that God wants to give me. And I want to live my life from this moment on fixed on the good news. I want my eyes to look at the good news that that God has given me so that I can live in peace. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? That's awesome. So God, today, We just confess that it's all too easy for us to look at the bad news. God, that's something that's broken inside of us. And God, we just want to confess that and ask you to come and by your grace and mercy free us to live lives that are fixated on the good news. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.